Welcome to the Cancer Care Connect workshop. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. During the workshop, you will hear from our panel of expert speakers. We will allow time for questions and comments following the presentation. Instructions will be given at that time. If anyone should require assistance during the workshop, please press star then zero on your touchtone telephone. As a reminder, this workshop is being recorded. I would like to introduce your moderator for today's workshop, Dr. Carolyn Messner, Senior Director of Education and Training at Cancer Care. Please go ahead. Well, thank you so much, Regina, and I too would like to welcome everyone to today's Cancer Care Connect Education Workshop update on CAR T cell therapies. And today's program is supported by Gilead and Novartis Oncology, and I really want to thank them for their support of today's program. Now, we have over 175 participants on the call today. You come from all of the United States, from both urban, rural, and suburban areas, and frontier communities as well. And we also have international participants from Canada, Ireland, Lithuania, and the United Kingdom. So it's a global call as well. And now it's my great pleasure to introduce our first speaker. And our first speaker is Dr. Okon von Beeson. And Dr. Beeson is Director, Wesley Center for Immunotherapy, Division Chief, Hematology and Cellular Therapy, Division Chief, Hematology and Oncology, UH Cleveland Medical Center. And Dr. Beeson, Dr. Von Beeson will be addressing an overview of CAR T cell therapies, understanding CAR's chimeric antigen receptors, when to consider CAR T cell therapies as a treatment choice, clinical trials for CAR T cell therapies, benefits of CAR T cell therapies. It's really my great pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, thank you. Dr. Von Beeson. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Messner. Uh, and thank you to the organizers for inviting me here. Uh, and thank you all for listening. So this is the, the second time I have the pleasure of uh, speaking for this group and uh, the pleasure to be back. Uh, I'll try to give you a brief overview of what CAR T cells are, what their role is in therapy, what, how we should think about them. And, and it's good to think a little bit about uh, what we do in cancer treatment uh, because we are, we are talking about treatment, treating mostly hematologic malignancies, lymphomas, myelomas, and, and certain types of leukemia. These are cancers, and, and cancer typically is treated with either surgery, uh, radiation, or chemotherapy, or combinations of the three. Now, CAR T cell therapy is completely different. It's, it's a new modality that has been added. So it's like the fourth pillar of cancer treatment. And it's rapidly becoming the treatment of choice for a number of patients with these hematologic malignancies, particularly those who have relapsed after their initial treatment. So you will understand the excitement because of the novelty and, uh, and the extreme effectiveness. CAR T cells are extremely effective in what are called B-cell lymphomas, in a disorder called multiple myeloma, and in some forms of acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or ALL. Uh, it has revolutionized the treatment of these diseases, and it's used every year more frequently and earlier in the course of the disease. Previously, incurable patients now receive one CAR T cell treatment, and frequently obtain a remission and often are cured. This is a fast-moving field with numerous new products under development, and 
the potential for many new treatments and changes in treatment in years to come. Now, what are these CAR T cells and how do they work? So CAR T cell therapy uses the power of the body's own immune system to eradicate cancer. When you think of uh, the immune system, think of childhood infections. A child gets sick, even measles or mumps or what have you, or a viral infection, they get really sick for a couple of days, and then everything goes back to normal, and they have immunity against that particular infection. They never get it anymore. Uh, part of that immune system are the B cells and the antibodies that we produce. But the other part are the T cells. T lymphocytes are the most important component of the immune system together with the B cells that produce antibodies. It's these T cells that we use to fight cancer. So the T cells can fight cancer. They have a role in fighting cancer. We know that. And they surveil our body and eradicate any abnormal cell that arises in addition to their, to their role in treating and preventing infection. Now, when we have an established cancer, an established malignancy, the immune system obviously is no longer sufficiently powerful to control these abnormal cells. So these abnormal cells uh, get out of control. So what scientists have done over the last 20 years of working on this is devising new receptors that can be built into these T cells. And these new receptors have a high affinity for the cancer cell. They allow the T cell to latch onto this cancer cell uh, with great specificity. So it's like building in a new latch into these T cells and then giving those T cells and these T cells recognize the, 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 their attachment, which is the cancer cell, and they attack it and they kill it. So the T cells have a new receptor. They become chimeric, meaning a mixture, and they are chimeric antigen receptor T cells and therefore CAR T cells. How does this work in practice? Let's say we have a patient with lymphoma who has recurrent disease. I'm using this as an example. We bring that patient in. We collect cells from the bloodstream of the patient, their lymphocytes, their T cells. That procedure is an easy procedure uh, where the patient is resting and, and blood gets removed and the T cells get skinned off and the rest of the blood gets returned to the patient. It takes about three to four hours. The patient goes home in the evening. We send these T cells to the pharmaceutical manufacturer. The manufacturers engineer a new receptor into those cells. They, they introduce a piece of DNA and the cell reads the DNA and produces a new receptor that gets expressed on the surface of these T cells. That process takes about two to six weeks, depending on the disease, depending on the manufacturer, Fracturers, uh, depending on the situation, how many other patients there are in the nation who need this. In the meantime, the patient is waiting. So some of these patients, we can just wait if they have a rather uh, slow-growing disease. But if they have an aggressive disease, they may need some chemotherapy to keep their disease under control. We call that bridging chemotherapy. Then three to six weeks later, we get the cells back, the modified cells from the manufacturer. Then we bring the patient back in and give them three days of chemotherapy. This chemotherapy is really not meant to, to destroy the lymphoma in this case, but to prepare the patient's body to accept the cells. And then we give them simply the infusion of these CAR T cells. These CAR T cells then, if all goes well, recognize the lymphoma that is present in the patient. 
they recognize their target as and they start proliferating because that's what they do and they destroy the target and after the target after the lymphoma is destroyed the cat t-cells go dormant again they go sleep again and and are much reduced in numbers and often have to find anymore this fir this first phase during which the tumor gets destroyed but, and and the t-cells proliferate is really can really get quite um hectic like say uh, patients can get can behave as if they have a severe infection, they can have high fever, they can drop their blood pressure. Uh, something called a cytokine re uh, release syndrome. They can also have certain neurologic complications uh, that are fortunately usually temporary and resolve completely again. But you will understand that to address and prevent these problems, there's an admission of anywhere between two to four weeks. If all goes well, patient goes back to normal health after a period of three to four weeks, and again, is often cured, depending on the situation and, and the disease. For about the, fir the first six months, there's still some degree of immune suppression, some higher risk for infections, but that too, over time, uh, resolves. So when do we have to consider CAT T-cells for the patients? Um, consider them in cases of B-cell lymphoma, as I mentioned to you. We consider them for uh, myeloma, and we consider them for childhood leukemia. Now, let me tell you a little bit more. Uh, the first, really, FDA-approved indication was aggressive B-cell lymphoma. And now, as of last year, we use CAR T-cells for any patient who has a fairly early relapse after initial treatment. In the past, we used to consider autologous stem cell transplantation for these patients, but now more and more we use CAR T-cells, and we think in general that's preferable. Then there's also the low-grade uh, B-cell lymphoma. Some of you may have heard of this, uh, something called follicular lymphoma or marginal zone lymphoma. Such patients tend to have slow-growing disease of variable rates of, uh, of growth. Some patients are really slow-growing and never need any treatment. Other patients do need treatment again and again, and this disease, so slow growing, is often hard to eradicate. And it may well be that CAR T cells can cure this, uh, again, in, in a number of cases. Uh, FDA approval, we can use this, I believe, after the first line, uh, as the third line of treatment. Mantle cell lymphoma is a more aggressive form of B cell lymphoma where we also use this CAR T cells uh, after relapse. And then totally different or only remotely uh, related disease is multiple myeloma, which is a very serious illness with, with uh, growth of plasma cells, uh, often bone lesions, often uh, bone marrow failure, patients are anemic, and, and also frequently kidney involvement. Those patients have multiple treatments available these days and, and often can be helped for a long, long time, but can usually not be cured. And uh, CAR T cells have been added to that armamentarium and seems to be a very, very effective treatment, uh, even after multiple other treatments have failed. Lastly, B cell ALL, what we think about as childhood ALL, but also occurring in, in uh, young adults and even in older adults, uh, we can use CAR T cells to induce remission. We often follow that still with an allergen egg transplant. There's no indication for CAR T cells in the initial treatments for leukemia and lymphoma, uh, not today. 
I would not be surprised if that changes in the, in the near future as results from ongoing trials trickle in. There's also no indication for treatment of advanced chronic lymphocytic leukemia, uh, although one, it was the first disease where this was tested, and two, there's recent data that are quite encouraging in patients with very advanced um, CLL where this seems to be uh, effective. So the next topic that I was asked to talk about was about clinical trials for CAR T cells, uh, for CAR -T, of CAR T cells, and, and what trials are there and who should participate. And almost an impossible to answer questions because CAR T cells are so revolutionary in their, their uh, way of uh, functioning, their mode of action, uh, and they are um, so flexible in the way they can be generated. It, they have generated enormous enthusiasm among patients, uh, physicians, researchers, and also pharmaceutical companies. So there's a lot of trials going on. Uh, and what do these trials want to do? They want to, to make the CAR T cells more tolerable. Who knows that within a couple of years, nobody gets fever anymore, nobody gets problems, and we can do this as an outpatient. Can be perhaps more rapidly available, no more four weeks waiting, but perhaps we will have off-the-shelf CAR T cells. Perhaps they'll work in a higher percentage of patients. Perhaps they'll be used in other cancers or in autoimmune diseases. There are trials going on for all these indications and more, or for all these reasons and more. And I would recommend anybody who has any of these diseases and who gets offered CAR T cell therapy to really seriously think about it because it, it could be a game changer. So I am going to briefly summarize here and then let the, the word to, to my colleague, but CAR T cell therapy really has changed dramatically the way we think of cancer therapy. They, they offer opportunity and hope to patients who, who previously were incurable. Uh, they use an entirely new principle and mode of action and are extremely flexible, so there's endless opportunities for further modification and improvement. Importantly, in the Indolent lymphomas, they replace multiple lifelong therapies by a single course of treatment. And uh, so I'll end with that. We've come a long way in this field of cancer treatment. There remains need for further improvement, but, but these are exciting times, both for patients and for physicians and healthcare providers. Thank you for listening to me. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Van Beeson. That was really excellent, just an outstanding presentation. and. Really, you set the stage for the program today and the enthusiasm about about CAR T cell uh, therapies and, and what they offer to people as well as clinical trials. Thank you so much. And, um, and now I'm going to turn this over to our next speaker. And our, our next speaker is Dr. Karen Elise Jacobson. And Dr. Jacobson is Medical Director, Immune Effector Cell Therapy Program, Physician, Dana Farber Cancer Institute, Assistant Professor of Medicine. Harvard Medical School, and Dr. Jacobson will be addressing specific examples of how CAR T cell therapies contribute to oncology care, key questions to ask your healthcare team about CAR T cell therapies, follow-up care, what to expect, guidelines to prepare for telehealth telemedicine appointments, including technology, prepared list of questions, follow-up care appointments, um, and uh, quality of life concerns and discussion of open notes. It's my pleasure now to turn this program over to my esteemed colleague, Dr. Jacobson. 
Uh, thanks so much, and thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, it's a real pleasure to be able to talk with you today about some of these aspects of CAR T cell therapy. You just heard a really wonderful overview. Um, I will just recap some of the specific examples of how CAR T cell therapies have contributed to cancer care. Um, and I will, by do, in doing so, I'm going to really review kind of what, what um, diseases CAR T cells are currently available for um, in an FDA-approved. Uh, um, non-clinical trial setting. So um, we have CAR T cells that are approved for pediatric and young adult patients with relapse B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia, as well as adult patients with relapse B-cell acute lymphoblastic leukemia. So that's an ag aggressive type of uh, acute leukemia of B-cells um, that uh, before the advent of CAR T-cells, of course, uh, really um, did not have effective treatment options. Uh, so this, this absolutely led to uh, an increased um, survival for these patients, which is really phenomenal. Uh, then we have approvals in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. Um, the first approvals, as you heard earlier, came in the patients that had multiply relapsed disease. So these are patients that relapsed after two or more prior lines of uh, treatment. Uh, again, these are patients that did not have curative treatment options available to them before CAR T-cells. And uh, with the advent of CAR T-cells, we now are able to cure um, a proportion of those patients. Um, we also, as Dr. Ambesian reviewed that when we compared CAR T cells to standard of care second line treatment for patients that were either primary refractory, meaning they didn't go into remission with their frontline treatment uh, for large cell lymphoma, or they relapsed within 12 months of that frontline treatment, we have randomized studies that show that CAR T cells are superior. Uh, to what we were doing for patients before, which was generally um, second-line chemotherapy, followed by an autologous stem cell transplant. And then finally, uh, we or not finally, I shouldn't say, we have, <laughs> we have many more. We have, we have CAR T cells that are approved for a type of lymphoma called mantle cell lymphoma. And this is actually approved in the United States for any relapsed or refractory mantle cell lymphoma, regardless of how many different treatments the patients had uh, or what those treatments have been. Um, and then we also have, as Dr. Van Bezian, uh like uh, alluded to, we have treat we have CAR T cells that are approved for the slow-growing B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma, and those are for people who have um, relapsed after two or more prior treatments. So it's third line and beyond. And then lastly, we have CAR T cells that are approved for patients with multiple myeloma. Uh, right now, they're approved for patients with multiple myeloma in the fifth line and beyond, so really heavily pretreated patients. But we saw the results uh, of two randomized studies looking at CAR T cells for multiple myeloma in the second through fourth lines of therapy um, that actually showed an, an improvement over other available options for those patients. And so we expect to see uh, approvals for multiple myeloma in earlier lines of therapy, just like we did for diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. You also heard about exploration of CAR T cells into other uh, blood, both blood cancers as well as solid tumors that are ongoing. Um, this is really an exploding field, um, you know, all built around the tremendous success we've seen in some of these B-cell malignancies. So um, in terms of how this affects you as a patient, I think we have to think about, uh, you know, questions you want to ask your health team about CAR T-cell therapy. So obviously the first question is, 
are they an option for me? Um, you know, is there a benefit for me? Is, is this something that I should be looking into? Um, the second question is, you know, CAR T cells, as you heard from Dr. Van Biesian, there are some specialized toxicities from CAR T cells that happen in the first uh, weeks following um, the CAR T cell infusion. Uh, these include uh, something that we call cytokine, cytokine release syndrome. We um, shorten that to CRS, which is an inflammatory response related to the activation of the CAR T cells upon reinfusion back into the patient. And it looks for all the world like a, a flu, although um, it can become worse than the flu if left unchecked and unmonitored. And so um, for that reason, um, you know, patients need to be observed very, very carefully at a specialized center that not only can can collect the T cells from the patient and 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 administer the T cells on the back end, but also monitor patients for some of you know some of these potentially high grade toxicities. The other side effect that we see after CAR T cell uh, acute side effect we see after CAR T cell infusion is a neurologic toxicity, and this is related to some amount of inflammation that actually reaches the brain, um, and uh, this this can be very mild, but it can also be very profound and, again, and can be associated with a, a risk of uh, seizure activity and other temporary neurologic side effects. But again, that requires uh, experience and uh, expertise in managing these toxicities and monitoring for them. And so for, for these reasons, um, you know, many, CAR, many CAR, well, for these reasons, CAR T cells are not offered at every cancer center across the country. And sometimes the closest cancer center that offers CAR T cells could be hundreds of miles away. And so I think another question you need to ask your healthcare team is if you wanted, if you were eligible and you wanted to learn more about CAR T cells and see if you could be treated with CAR T cells, where would the closest CAR T cell treatment center be? Um, and what would that mean for you and your family and your caregivers uh, in terms of logistics and um, coordination? Um, you know, the, the, the truth is the process of going through CAR T cells usually involves a visit with the CAR T cell treatment center to assess your eligibility for CAR T cells and to provide education and consenting for CAR T cells. And then patients undergo, you know, then, then that center will undergo a process of insurance authorization in order to make sure that your insurance company will, will pay for the CAR T cells. Um, and then that is followed up by a, another visit to the cancer center in order to collect the CAR T cells, which is usually about a one to two day uh, visit. So that's two visits to the CAR T cell cancer center. And then it takes about three to five weeks to make the CAR T cells, at which point you're back at home under the care of your local uh, cancer doctor. When the CAR T cells return to the CAR T cell treatment center, uh, you then return uh, to that center um, and uh, should be prepared to be there for uh, a total of four weeks uh, because you need to be within a two-hour radius of the CAR T cell treatment center for four weeks following the CAR T cell infusion. The first week or two weeks may be spent either in very close proximity uh, if, uh, if you're receiving the CAR T cells as an outpatient where you can come back on a daily basis in order to be monitored, or uh, if you're receiving the CAR T cells as an inpatient, meaning in the hospital for, with, for close monitoring after, um, you would be expected for the first one to two weeks to be actually in the hospital during that time. Um, but then a 
upon discharge for the remainder of that four-week period, you would need to stay close to the CAR T-cell treatment center for ongoing monitoring um, and evaluation. And the reason for that is that we think these toxicities, while most likely to occur in the first one to two weeks after the infusion, may actually, there's a small risk that they can occur anywhere out to four weeks after the infusion. At that four-week mark, you usually are assessed with uh, you know, some, some imaging modality in order to see how your cancer has responded. Um, and, then, and then if you're traveling far, it's, if it's not your home center, you'll go back to your local oncologist for further, um, further uh, care. Um, and so this, you know, some, uh, what are, what's some of the further care that this could look like? Well, so for some patients, their blood counts look great. They look and feel great. Their, cat, their scans show a remission, and then they really need to be seen every three months for ongoing surveillance and follow-up. But for other patients, uh, there are some uh, potential long-term or late side effects, I should say, of CAR T-cell therapy. And the most prominent one is actually um, that blood counts can be low, um, you know, beyond one month. Um, so these, we call these prolonged low blood counts. And so in those cases, um, you may need to be seen more frequently by your local cancer doctor to monitor those blood counts and react to them, uh, either by giving, you know, growth factor shots for the white blood cells or giving blood or platelet transfusions if the blood and platelets get low. Um, and then part and parcel with having these low blood counts is uh, an increased risk of infection. And so you're also monitored and, and given you know, antibiotics to prevent uh, certain kinds of infections. One of the things that uh, CAR T cells uh, can do, especially the ones that target B cell lymphomas and leukemias, is they can actually lower some of the healthy immune cells in the body. Um, and so we also monitor the function of those immune cells and sometimes have to give infusions to replete the um, immune mediators that those uh, immune cells actually use or produce uh, to help us fight infection. Um, so those are all things that happen during the follow-up care and what to expect once you return back to your sort of home institution. Um, there, obviously, um, in the era of COVID, uh, the use of telehealth and telemedicine uh, has greatly um, expanded, um, but a lot of times uh, the use of those therapies is limited to patients that are within the state that the uh, CAR T-cell uh, tre treating physician practices in and is licensed in, uh, and that's an issue just related to um, both um, sort of insurance coverage as well as um, uh, as well as licensing. Um, what some large centers have done is they have they have allowed they have elected to uh, co-license uh, their providers uh, in in uh, neighboring states so that in any given group. Uh, there, you may have uh, physicians that are licensed. You'll have physicians that license, are licensed in all the neighboring states. So, for instance, I'm in Boston, and so I am. I have a license in Connecticut now, so I can I can see patients through telehealth that are in Connecticut. And one of my colleagues is licensed in New Hampshire, and another colleague is licensed in Maine, and another colleague is licensed in Vermont. And this allows us to deliver. Uh, another colleague would, could be licensed in New York. So this allows us to deliver telehealth uh, to. Uh, patients that are 
interested in learning more about uh, what therapies we have to offer, CAR T cells included, with before they make a trip in. So that is a possibility um, to have some of, you know, especially if your CAR T cell treatment center has a has a program like that to allow for enhanced telehealth and to cut down on some of the the time that you need to spend away from home and at the CAR T cell treatment center. Um, I think, you know, in think, thinking about a prepared list of questions and follow-up care appointments, you know, I think the, the, the biggest questions are, as I mentioned before, you know, are you eligible uh, for CAR T cells? Are there clinical trials that you are, are you eligible for? Are there other treatment options that um, you should be thinking about that are not CAR T cells that maybe um, uh, would be more uh, appropriate or preferable to you? And so as you can hear the entire list of, of therapeutic options. Um, and so for diseases like um, the indolent B cell lymphomas or even multiple myeloma, um, you know, maybe there are some other options that you, you could consider beyond CAR T cells. Um, I think it's important to understand if there's if we could predict anything about the risks of these toxicities that we talked about today specifically for you um, and uh, sort of what the, what this will look like for your caregivers as well. Um, and I think I did review um, many of the follow-up Sort of what the follow-up would look like, depending on um, sort of what uh, what uh, complications of CAR T cell therapy a patient encounters. Um, and so the last the last topic I've been asked to talk about is quality of life. Uh, concerns, and I will say that in in some of these randomized studies where uh, patients were randomized to standard of care cancer therapies versus CAR T cells, they did employ um, uh, quality of life questionnaires. So patient reported outcomes to tell us how patients perceived their health and their well-being, and and their, with relation to their uh, medical care, um, on both arms. So on the CAR T cell arm as well as on the standard of care arm, which was um, you know, standard available therapies for the for the patient's cancer, and for the first year of treatment uh, or after treatment, patients on the CAR T cell arm generally had far improved quality of life, despite some of those side effects that I told you about, and despite the fact that many of these patients did travel far to receive their CAR T cells and did have to you know stay away from home for that month around the CAR T cells. Uh, for the first year of therapy, the quality of life outcomes for the CAR T cells arms do uh, are superior to what they are for standard of care. So, just because um, you know this 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 process sounds logistically challenging and some of the side effects do sound a little can can potentially sound a little bit frightening, uh, it's important to realize that overall, this is as Dr. Van Biesian said, this is a one and done therapy. The toxicity window is actually very very condensed, uh, and patient patients do get back to sort of their livelihood and their um, baseline, um, you know, energy levels and appetite and things like that um, very, very quickly. And so as a result, I think that there is a quality of life to be, there is quality of life to be gained from a therapy like that. Um, and so with that, I think I'm at time and I, uh, we can move on to questions and answers. Oh, thank you so much. Um, uh, Dr. Jacobson, that was an outstanding presentation, and uh, there'll be questions in just one minute. I just, <laughs> I just want to thank you so much. Um, I just want to say a few words about the services that Cancer Care offers, and then we're going to move on to um, some more questions, and then we'll do the Q and A. Um, so, um, I'm Carolyn Mester. I'm Dr. Mester. I'm a senior director of education and training with Cancer Care, and I want to 
go over with you the free services that Cancer Care offers, um, the free programs and services that we offer. Um, so Cancer Care is a national organization, and so we help people throughout the United States. Um, and, and so we um, have a hope line, 1-800-813-4673. That number is the number that many people call in the United States and speak with one of our oncology social workers. And when they speak with one of our oncology social workers, um, uh, when they speak with one of our oncology social workers, they will um, usually um, call our hope line. Um, and the oncology social worker picks up the phone. They were the ones who answered the phones. And they are trained master's level oncology social workers. And they will address the questions that um, the participant may have. Usually someone calls and they have a question right up front that they want to ask. It might be about food insecurity. It might be about transportation. It might be about our counseling services. It could be about a range of services. And once they ask what they, their questions and get them answered, um, that the social worker then goes over with them all the services that we offer. Um, and those services include a host of different services. So we do offer transportation, financial assistance, and co-payment assistance, which makes a big difference for people in terms of their uh, coping with cancer. Um, we also offer online support groups, which people find very, very helpful. Um, and the online support groups are on different types of cancers um, and also on different cancer topics as well um, so that they really are able to get a host of different services um, from us. Um, and, um, and also we have support groups for caregivers, for young adult caregivers, older adult caregivers, partners, spouses. Um, so a lot of different topics that are given. And those, you'd be able to see all the different online support groups um, from our website, which is www.cancercare.org. Um, we also offer a number of publications. And of course, we do about 80 of these workshops per year on different cancer types and different cancer treatments and different cancer um, uh, topics as well. So in order to access that information, you just go to our website. And at the end of today's program, you'll be getting a survey. Well, actually, next week, you'll be getting a survey monkey evaluation from us. And in that evaluation will be um, all the services we offer, and as well as uh, a link to um, any of the numbers or telephone numbers or websites that we gave out during the program, and then some additional ones as well. So you'll be getting all that information. Um, and also, I should say we have a pet assistance program. Many people have a cat or a dog. And because of their treatment, they're not able to walk their dog or change the cat's litter box. And so we do help um, people to pay for the cost of hiring someone to do those things for them um, during their cancer treatment or therapy. Um, um, and so that's, that's going to be very helpful as well. Again, there's a lot of other programs we offer. Um, and those are all listed on our website. And now we're going to move on to the questions and answers. And so I'm going to ask Regina to explain to all of you how to queue up for questions. I'm going to try to take as many of your questions as possible. Regina? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we'll take questions from the web only. You may submit questions by clicking Ask a Question. So that's a question um, for um, Dr. Van Beeson. Um, how do you decide between the different CAR-T options, brands? available? Well, the, the first 
The first choice is determined by the FDA-approved indications. Uh, there, there are now six, um, six um, two are approved for myeloma, I believe only one for mantle cell lymphoma, three are approved for diffuse large B cell lymphoma. There, most, most of the time, uh, we decide between those three products based on availability, and uh, we consider them mostly equivalent. Um, there's one exception, perhaps, in, in uh, diffuse large B cell lymphoma, where um, there were three randomized studies uh, comparing CAR T cells uh, to conventional salvage therapy. Um, two studies proved, uh, two products proved superior uh, to conventional therapy. The third product uh, uh, turned out to be equivalent. And there's been a lot of questions about, a lot of debate about why the results were so different between these three studies. Again, remember, they were not compared head-to-head. -head. Uh, they were all compared to conventional treatment. In any case, um, of the three products available for diffuse large B cell lymphoma, right now only two are commonly used, at least in the United States. Um, again, I, I would emphasize this removing this. There's a number of variants under investigation, and there will be more products. And, uh, I, I think of the products that are currently available as the, the first generation products, and, and I think within five to ten years, we will probably all be using different products that are, that are uh, superior to the ones currently available. Excellent. Thank you so much. And for Dr. Van Beesten, um, could you review CAR-T cell therapy for CLL and differences in treatments, complications, and outcomes compared to other cancers? also probability of adverse complications and outcomes. So CLL is a, is a unique case as far as CAR T cells are concerned. Uh, can I, I want to start by emphasizing that currently there's no FDA indication for CAR T cells in CLL. So the only way one can receive CAR T cells for CLL is by participating in an investigational protocol. Uh, that said, um, the first reports now, I believe, more than almost 10 years ago on effective CAR T cell treatment was for CLL, and there's definitely responses. There are prolonged responses uh, in some patients. The uh, problem was that uh, from the beginning, these prolonged responses occurred only in a minority of patients. And then the other uh, problem uh, for CAR T cell products, not a problem for the CLL field, but a, a problem for CAR T cell problems was that for uh, CAR T cell products was that around the same time that these initial studies of CAR T cells came out, uh, a number of new drugs were pioneered for CLL, namely the BTK inhibitors. Uh, I'm sure the, the audience has heard of ibrutinib, acalabrutinib. And then the BCL2 inhibitors, venetoclax, these are all spectacular drugs that in combinations often result in prolonged remissions. So it's only in the last year or two when we are starting to see more and more that even those newer drugs are running towards the end that there's a new uh, interest for CLL. And there's a very recent publication of a multi-center study with the product Brianzi 
that showed respectable uh, remission rates, response rates in patients who had failed everything else, and respectable response rates and also respectable duration of response. So I personally anticipate that we will see more of this in the, in the coming year. Perhaps Dr. Jacobson has, has more information than I do or, or may have something to add to this. Dr. Jacobson, did you want to add anything? Um, I mean, I think, I think Dr. Van Bezian did um, cover uh, a, a lot. I think that, you know, CLL was really the, the first success of CAR T-cell therapy, but then as time went on and more and more patients were treated, we realized there was great variability in terms of how patients responded, and actually it's a minority of patients that respond as exceptionally, although we just saw some really good results uh, that were presented and published uh, this spring um, that may lead to our first FDA approval um, of one of the CAR T-cells, uh, lysocaptogene, marilucil, or Lysocell in CLL. So there, you know, I so said, and 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 that's because it led to a greater response and benefit to a greater proportion of patients. So I think, you know, I think this is going to be something that's available for patients with CLL. Uh, again, the vast majority of patients with CLL won't need CAR T cell therapy, but but uh, it will be an option for patients when they have exhausted some of the other more standard. Uh, treatment options. I, I'm optimistic that CAR T cells will expand into other diseases as well. Um, we have a, a lot of hurdles, I think, though, to overcome uh, in terms of getting uh, CAR T cells into other types of blood cancers and, uh, and into solid tumors as well. Um, but we're learning from this first, you know, we're learning from our um, B cell malignancy experience, and we're learning from these first generation of trials uh, to employ what we've learned into future studies. So I'm optimistic it will come. It just uh, we're not. It'll it'll take a it'll take a, a little bit of time. And this is a question for Dr. Jacobson. Dr. Jacobson um, is CAR is CAR T cell transplant with donor cells considered an allogeneic transplant? And if so, does it carry the same risks for GVHD? Yeah, this is a great question. So I, I think it's important to not consider CAR T cell a transplant. So it's not CAR T cell transplant. It's really just an inf it's an infusion of cells. A transplant implies that that we are actually replacing something within the body um, with something new. And so stem cell transplants are replacing the stem cells of a patient's body with new stem cells to repopulate a, a new immune system. Um, and so when we talk, we do talk about donor-derived CAR T cells, where we actually collect the CAR T cells from healthy donors uh, and manufacture them in a way um, that they can express a CAR T cell on their surface. but cannot cause graft-versus-host disease, which is when the uh, immune system of uh, the foreign immune system um, attacks the patient's own body. Um, uh, those are not those are not CAR T cell transplants. Those are CAR T cell treatments with uh, donor-derived uh, T cells, uh, or also known as allogeneic T cells. So those are allogeneic CAR T cells. And because the CAR T cells are engineered in such a way that they don't have a receptor on their surface that allows them to recognize the patient's own cells as something foreign, um, they, they do not cause graft-versus-host disease. The problem with the donor-derived CAR T cells right now is that the, the, the host, the patient, has enough of an immune system left uh, that it actually can attack 
the donor derived CAR T cells uh, before they have a chance to clear the cancer. And so there are various strategies that are being employed to try to overcome that host immune response against the donor CAR T cells to make them more effective. Um, but we're, we're, we're just in those clinical trials right now. Excellent. And another question for you, Dr. Jacobson. I had an allo transplant for transformed Hodgkin's disease and still have mixed chimerism, chimerism, two-third donor, one-third me. If I need CAR-T and for others who had an allo or haplo, what benefit risks does a situation present? Better T-cell function, BC of donor, GVHD, yeah, so um you know there 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 is there is data so generally speaking the CAR T cells would be manufactured off of T cells that are uh collected from this patient. Um so if the don't if the donor chimerism is two thirds, one third, presumably the CAR T cells would also be potentially two-thirds, one-third, two-third from the donor, one-third from the patient, because that's the makeup of their t circulating T cells. Um, uh, the, um, there's, there's ample evidence of, of safety and efficacy related to giving CAR T cells to patients who have had a prior uh, allogeneic stem cell transplant. Uh, there's a theoretical concern of maybe exacerbating graft-versus-host disease, especially if uh, patients were rapidly tapered off their immune suppression um, and given their CAR T cells very, very quickly um, after that tapering. But if patients have been off immune suppression for a while and, and have very little in the way of graft-versus-host disease, many of those patients have been treated uh, very safely um, with CAR T cells you know, that were derived from T cells collected from their own blood. Um, I don't know that we've seen a difference in efficacy, um, you know, in terms of whether the T cells are better or uh, less good than if the patient had never undergone an allogeneic stem cell transplant. Um, but that is, uh, I think that's where, that's where we are. And another question um, for Dr. Jacobson. So what, does a immunoglobulin IgA, IgA heavy and light chain result that indicates a high IgA a kappa, normal IgA a lambda, and normal IgA a, a slash L ratio, ratio, say, for a myeloma patient who is four years remission after AC, ASCT? Yeah, I'm, I'm a lymphoma doctor and a CAR T cell expert. This is not really a good question for me. This is a question for a, a multiple myeloma specialist um, and also not necessarily related to CAR T cell therapy. Okay, thank you. So definitely go back to your treating healthcare team and ask your, good question, but ask your yep. myeloma um, physician this question. It's a good question. Just, uh, so for Dr. Von Biesen, how long is the PFS of CAR-T in marginal zone lymphoma? So, so the data, I'd have to, to look carefully, uh, but uh, depending on the patient, depending on the situation, uh, there's only a relatively small number of uh, marginal zone lymphoma patients that were enrolled in the studies because it's rare lymphoma. And, as I recall, there were only about 
20 to 30 patients. Uh, in the larger study, we had mostly follicular lymphoma patients. Those were patients who had typically failed at least two, and I believe three lines of therapy. And as I recall, um, about more than half of them were still in remission two years later. So there was nearly a response. Uh, it was not a response in most patients, and a response that, response that was quite prolonged in about two-thirds of the patients. And another third of the patients um, re progressed again within, within the next within the subsequent two years. I, I think these data are more or less correct. Um, they, they were in that ballpark. I'd have to look for exact numbers. So um, I have a question um, for, for Dr. Um, Jacobson. Are the side effects of CAR T cell therapy more intense than side effects for, from other types of therapy? Um, it's not a question of more intense as much as it is a question of just being different. Um, so most other therapies for that we that we give to patients uh, are standard league chemotherapy, which have you know different side effects of sort of nausea, fatigue, um, uh, mouth sores, uh, GI issues, uh, hair loss, things like that. Whereas the side effects of CAR T cells are what we had discussed before, namely that cytokine release syndrome and that neurologic toxicity. Now, you know, having, you know, three to four days of high fevers and, and flu-like symptoms can be quite intense, um, uh, but it's it's time limited. Uh, and then um, if you, if a patient does get the, the neurologic side effects, having, you know, three three to seven days of uh, confusion um, can also, you know, set patients back a little bit. But, um, but uh, overall, as I alluded to at the end of my talk, um, when we ask patients to report their quality of life having gone through CAR T-cells versus going through other standard cancer therapies, um, the, the, the patients who get CAR T-cells report a higher quality of life for at least the first year following those treatments. Uh, compared to patients who w went through standard cancer therapies, so for, so that isn't to say that there aren't some patients who may have you know more intense side effects from CAR T that would would not agree with that statement. Um, but for the majority of patients, they find that while, while the side effects are, are certainly different, they're not necessarily more intense, uh, and in, in fact, the overall experience is even preferable. Excellent, thank you. And for Dr. Von Beeson, my husband is on CAR T cell therapy for rapid BAL. What is your take on combining it with bone marrow? Can, can you repeat that question? My husband is on CAR T cell therapy for relapsed B. It looks like B, perhaps B cell. Um, B, B, uh, yeah. B dash okay. ALL. What is your take yeah. on an? on combining it with bone marrow transplant? Well, I, I cannot talk too much about the specifics of, of this lady's husband, but, but in general, uh, we think of CAR T-cell therapy for B-cell ALL in adults as, as a treatment that induces remissions, induces responses. In, in a great majority of patients, it's quite effective. Unfortunately, they are uh, rarely durable, and we tend to follow this um, with an allogeneic stem cell transplant. Uh, 
there, there were early trials where patients uh, did did not get an allogeneic transplant, and the relapse rates were quite high again. And that is for adults, and that is with currently available um, currently available CAR T cell modalities. So I do recommend that this gentleman uh, probably, depending on again, in general, a patient like this should get an allogeneic transplant patient after the CAR T cell. Thank you, um, and. And for Dr. Jacobson, what does the recovery process of entail, entail after receiving CAR T cell therapy? Yeah, so th th uh, this is a great question. It can be very variable. So there are some patients who, um, you know, have a couple of days of fever as their only side effect, and then they're quickly recovered and back, you know, and, and can get quickly back to a baseline within six to 12 weeks. Uh, and other patients have a protracted course of um, cytokine release syndrome and neurologic toxicity, and sometimes can spend, you know, up to two weeks in, in bed during that time. And so some of those patients actually do need to go through a, a course of acute rehab uh, in order to get back up on their feet, uh, and, and their recovery to baseline can be longer, can be more like three to six months. Um, and, uh, you know, so, it, so it's variable from patient to patient. It does depend on um, uh, how strong, you know, it depends on the, the status of the patient going into CAR T-cell therapy in terms of their functional status, and then also depends on the type of, you know, the, the magnitude of the toxicities they have after CAR T-cell therapy. Excellent. Thank you. And I'm going to ask our speakers to just provide takeaways from today's program, what you'd like people to take away from today's program. I'll start with Dr. Von Beeson and then Dr. Jacobson. So again, thank you for having me. Uh, I want to emphasize again that CAR T cells are, are a, a quite revolutionary new treatment that we are now getting used to, uh, but that have changed the outcome for many of our patients, and that continues to evolve. So, uh, so patients should talk to their physicians when recommended, should consider it, and should consider participating in, uh, in trials. Um, uh, and again, thank you for listening. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Van Beeson, and thank you for a wonderful presentation. And Dr. Jacobson? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, this has been um, uh, being sort of uh, taking care of patients with B-cell cancers uh, during the evolution of CAR T-cell therapy and the investigation has been like one of, has been one of the biggest honors of my life. I feel so fortunate because this is, this is really, um, you know, most, most progress in medicine is incremental, and this has really been sort of a, a huge leap and bound, uh, and a re sort of a revolution uh, for patients. And I'm I'm really just hopeful uh, that what we've learned so far can be taken and expanded into uh, more cancer types and for more cancer patients. Excellent. Well, I want to thank our speakers. You've been phenomenal. I want to thank our participants for also asking such great questions. And together, you came up with just wonderful. It's a wonderful program, so thank you so much. And um, I, um, I do want to just acknowledge that we were not able to take all the questions today because um, there's a lot of you on the call today and a lot of questions. So I want to make a recommendation that for all of you who either asked a question, have a question yet to ask, or actually um, are thinking of a question, please go back to your treating healthcare team 
and ask your question again. Even if you were asked a question today, go back and ask your healthcare team the question you asked during the program today or have yet to ask. Um, and ask your question over and over again until you get the answer that you need. That's really very important. And most importantly, we would not anyone to leave this program today feeling that you're alone. Although it is, of course, tempting to feel alone at times, clearly, when one has cancer, when one is undergoing treatment. Nevertheless, this has a normal feeling. But nevertheless, we want you to know that you're now part of a community of support. We are here to help you. And you can access cancer care for our services. So that's a resource available to all of you. And again, I want to thank you all for your participation today, and I want to wish you all a very fine day. Thank you all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your participation. This concludes the workshop, and you may now disconnect. Everyone have a great day.